Well, I've got to be honest, I thought that with Matt Priested and John now a deacon, I'd be able to sit back and relax this morning. But instead, somehow, I've ended up as the guest preacher. <laughs> Let me explain. A couple of months ago, I told Matt that, as is the tradition for a new priest's first Eucharist, he could invite anyone he wanted, anyone he wanted, <laughs> to come and preach this morning. So he went away to think about it. And a week or so later came back and, of course, asked me. I've no idea how far down the list I was. I don't want to know. But I want you to know that if this morning's sermon isn't any good, it's his fault, not mine. If it's a good one, however, then it will, of course, be entirely down to the skill of the preacher. What me standing here does highlight, though, is how easy it is for us week after week, Sunday after Sunday, to get lulled into routine in our life as a church, as a ministry area, and in our individual Christian lives. Every Sunday, the preacher stands up. Some Sundays, they're better than others. But life goes on anyway, and the routine continues. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of routine, rhythms of prayer, worship, fellowship that keep us going and sustain us in our faith and in our lives. But at the same time, it is true that things can all too easily become stale and mundane. As we go through the motions week after week, we can lose sight of the wonder that perhaps drew us to Christ in the first place. It's easy to plod along, autopilot engaged, and in the process, miss some of the incredible opportunity that God has for us in our lives. So, why should our faith be more than routine? How can our eyes be opened this morning to the wonder of following Jesus and the incredible opportunity that faith in Christ presents to us? How can we live for more? Well, if we're to do this, we must take the challenging words of Jesus in this morning's gospel seriously. To follow Jesus with everything we have, without holding back, ahead of even our need for warmth or shelter, ahead even of our family relationships. Jesus tells us, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What an intriguing picture, and one that we can easily make sense of. One person this week, when I mentioned it in conversation, said, well, of course, you'd get wiggly lines. It's obvious to us. But Jesus is actually making a reference in the same way that we would reference a film or a book today, he's making a reference to a story that those around him would have known well. The calling of Elisha, which we heard in our Old Testament reading. Elisha and his master Elijah, don't get those two confused, lived in an age of half-hearted worship. 
where there were plenty of prophets and priests floating around, but their allegiance was to the king, and their political ambition took precedence over doing God's will. We're told at one stage earlier on in the book of Kings that Elijah is the only faithful one left. But Elijah is getting on a bit. He's coming to the end of his life and he needs an apprentice. Someone who will follow his example and take over his ministry once he's gone. In which case, Elijah could not hope for a better, more dedicated apprentice than Elisha. We see the first sign of this when he's called to follow. He's ploughing in the fields along with many others. And not only does he not look back, but he even destroys all of his equipment so that he couldn't go back even if he wanted to. The animals are slaughtered and eaten using the plough and the yoke as firewood for cooking them. In fact, Elisha's name would go down in the history books for his wholehearted devotion to his master. And it's because of Elisha's wholehearted passion that he inherits all of Elijah's prophetic gifts. So, Jesus tells his disciples... You must have the devotion of Elisha and even more besides. It's so easy in our lives to allow our identity as Christians to be just part of who we are without allowing it to be all of who we are. Even as a priest, it's easy to sink into a routine, to give some but not all of myself. To get overcomfortable, to see ministry as a job rather than a calling, a vocation. But the reality, especially in the times in which we now live, is that in our world today there are plenty of admirers of Jesus who think he was a good teacher, a good example. But what is needed more than ever are devoted, passionate, Daring, whole life followers. Christ calls followers, not admirers. And that is why we have so much cause to celebrate in our ministry area this morning. Why for me, yesterday was such a joyful occasion. Because in Matt and in John... Beyond everything else, beyond all the gifts that they each bring, at the heart, we have two devoted followers of Jesus Christ. If there's one thing that I can say about both John and Matt wholeheartedly, it's that they are passionate followers of Jesus. And they make mistakes, and they will make mistakes. They might stumble over the liturgy. They might occasionally make the wrong decision or say the wrong thing. They might even occasionally preach a duff sermon. But they are passionate about Jesus and about seeing his kingdom come in our ministry area. And their devotion is an example to us. I look at them and their faith is an example to me as their incumbent. However, 
that devotion isn't on our behalf. It isn't that they are devoted, so we don't have to be. It's an example, a challenge to imitate. Paul tells the Galatian Christians, for freedom, Christ has set us free. For you were called to freedom, so through love become slaves to one another. We are set free to serve, set free to worship, set free to love others. Set free because when we give our whole selves, the fruit of the Spirit is able to grow within us as a gift to the world. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As two devoted disciples, Matt and John have done and will do great things in our ministry team. But imagine how much we could all do together. Imagine a whole family of Christ followers who are unwilling even for a moment to look back and count the cost, but are willing to press ahead together into all that God has for us, to grow his kingdom in our communities through devoted acts of love, through inspiring expressions of joy, through extravagant acts of generosity, through unshakable faithfulness and self-control. Imagine the impact that could have. Imagine the freedom it could bring. Imagine the transformation for those who are the last and the least in our communities. Imagine the joy and wonder and awe of all that God could do in us and through us by the power of his spirit. Let's set ourselves on that path together, my friends. And for God's sake, let's not turn back. For his enthronement as Bishop of Winchester in 1975, one of the great heroes of mission for Matt and myself, John V. Taylor, wrote a prayer. I used it in a sermon earlier this year before Lent, and I want to finish with it today. As I do, I wonder whether you might close your eyes with me. And if, as you hear the words, you find yourself agreeing, perhaps you might pray it with me in your heart. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, alive and at large in the world, help me to follow and find you there today, in the places where I work, where I meet people, where I spend money and make plans. Take me as a disciple of your kingdom to see through your eyes and hear the questions you are asking, to welcome all with your trust and truth, and to change the things that contradict God's love by the power of your cross and the freedom of your spirit. Amen.